Welcome to the Storycraft Cafe. Come in, grab a cup of your favorite beverage, and get ready to join the storytelling conversation. Storycraft Cafe is brought to you by Dabble, the ultimate cloud-based fiction writing software. Here we're going to bring together storytellers from all walks to encourage and empower you to craft your best story. What is the hallmark of most successful people? They practice, practice, practice at their craft. Today, Joe Bunting from The Right Practice joins us to, for a wide-ranging conversation about writing, publishing, following your dreams, getting better at the thing that you love. This is such a fantastic conversation. I know you're going to love it. Thanks, as always, to Dabble for making this podcast possible. Also, storycraft.cafe is a place where you can connect with other writers and stay abreast of all of these live events that we're constantly doing. Storycraft.cafe, dabblewriter.com. Now on to our show with Joe. And we are live here in the Storycraft Cafe. I'm your host, Hank Garner. Today, I am super excited to have Joe Bunting uh, with me. He is uh, an author and the founder of The Right Practice. And because we have had... Um, We've had some challenges getting getting this particular <laughs> show off the ground. Um, Joe had uh, had some illness that he was dealing with a couple weeks ago, and then yesterday my internet just died. And then I walked outside, and there's uh, a guy from the cable company rolling out a spool of of cable, and you know, something happened, and they had to string all new cable. It was it was terrible. But anyway, Joe was gracious, and uh, we were able to do it today. But but that only tells me that because we had so much difficulty getting to this point, it's going to be an amazing chat and it is going to be well worth waiting for. Uh, Joe, I'm so glad to have you on the show with us today. Thank you for joining me. Well, thanks so much, Hank. I'm a huge fan of the show and I do think it's the principle of balance, right? The universe just knew that this was going to be such a life-changing conversation <laughs> that it had to put some brakes on it. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, Joe, I like to start uh, conversations off with a fun question and uh, to kind of get to know you a little better. And uh, a question that I love to ask people is, what is your first memory of wanting to be a writer or storyteller? Oh gosh, that's such a great question. Yeah, I mean, I think I I think a lot of my passion and, and interest in became becoming a writer came in part because of my dad. So I actually uh, my dad, when I was about ten years old, got really sick. Uh, he had a disease called chronic fatigue syndrome, which basically meant that he couldn't work. He couldn't do much. He could kind of just like sit around the house um, and, uh, you know, stare out the window and he would play with me sometimes and then be in bed for a week, you know, after that. So it was a really hard time in all of our lives, my whole family's life. But um, one of the weird things was that during that time he could write for whatever reason his brain, he couldn't even read, but he could write. And so he would get up every day and write for a couple of hours and then collapse back in bed. Um, and doing this over a couple of years, he wrote a really ginormous fantasy book. Um, and I think it was the first time realizing that, oh, you know, books, these things that I really enjoy reading and get immersed in, um, and ha ha by that point have become passionate about, you know, they actually come from somewhere. Like right. <laughs> there are people who create them. And, you know, it was a couple of years later where I thought while reading a book, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could create a book, um, like my favorite authors. And I just had this image of like sitting around, hanging out with characters that I loved and just enjoying it. Of course, that's not what being a writer actually looks like most of the time. Um, 
but it sounded really idyllic to me. And, and I think that's where it all began. Right. I love it. Um, do you, were you a, a fan of fantasy? And since your, your dad wrote a fantasy book was, was that uh, a shared passion in your family? Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I think I've always been interested in all different kinds of stories. Yeah. I would read like really literary stories and the classics. And then I would, you know, binge fantasy and science fiction and everything in between. So I, <laughs> I read a, a huge variety of things, which is fun. Yeah. Um, when, uh, you know, as you, you grew up, you, you saw your dad go through this process. Um, what did you see as your career path? Um, because if I've learned anything from, uh, all these author interviews that we've done is that, the the path to becoming an author is usually a circuitous path. It's, you know, you, you go over here and collect these life experiences and you go over here and collect these life experiences and you have relationships with these people and and all of that, you know, just adds things to the writer toolbox. Um, what, what did uh, what did you see from a, from an early age? What did you see as your life path? <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I think I remember um, touring a, a university as I was thinking about going to college and uh, it, I was wanting to study creative writing. And my dad's like, you know, by this time he was better, uh, fortunately, but my dad was like, you know, I want him to get a job and be successful and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dad, I'm going to be an author. I'm going to make so much money as like a New York times bestselling <laughs> author, obviously. Um, and I just, so I just had this image of, uh, writing my first book. And of course it was going to be a, a huge success. Um, at 17 years old, as you have like this ridiculous amount of confident com confidence, but very little competence, right? <laughs> Which that of course has not been my career path, but I've had some successes and some failures and, uh, yeah, it's been a, as you said, very circuitous, but amazing journey yeah. and certainly meaningful. You, um, it, you know, according to your bio, you have written uh, a number, you have ghost written a number of projects, and then you had this really fascinating kind of crowdsourced, but, uh, but the, the crowdsourcing became a topic of the book, uh, kind of very meta. Um, how did, how did that come about? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, I, I, uh, I wanted to do the author thing, right? Um, in my early twenties, I had this like huge urge to travel the world and write and be internet famous and all of those things. And, um, it, you know, that sort of circuitously led to me starting the right practice where, uh, we teach creative writing. Um, but, you know, I had this dream of uh, living in other countries and writing, right? And the opportunity amazingly, um, unpredictably came where I could like quit my job and my wife could quit her job and we could go travel uh, and I could work remotely. And wow. so, uh, but, Live, we, we, instead of going to like a very inexpensive country to live, we of course chose to go where my wife wanted to go, which was France and specifically Paris. And everything was like twice as expensive as I wanted it to be. Right. Um, and so we, we had enough, some money and we needed a little bit more, like $3,000 or something. And so I put it out there in the world. Uh, you know, if you help fund this adventure, I will take your suggestions and turn it into a book. And, uh, and you know, we had hundreds of people send in suggestions and I did them in Paris. We were there uh, with my wife, of course, and my 10 month old son. Uh, and it was an amazing experience. I did some very uncomfortable things like eat tripe. Uh, 
the stomach lining of a cow, which is, you know, some people love. It was, yeah. it was okay, but it was definitely not what I would have chosen. Um, right. And explore the catacombs in Paris, both the legal ones and the illegal ones, which was very exciting, and do some street performing. There was a whole lot of things that as an introvert writer were very uncomfortable to me. But <laughs> I had to do because <laughs> my audience was waiting for it and it was really fun. It was a cool experience. And, you know, that became the book. Uh, yeah. Well, as, as someone who's been married for almost 30 years, um, I have to ask, what was your wife's reaction to when you said, okay, I've got this great idea of how we can make the trip happen, but <laughs> we're going to take suggestions from strangers and do it on our trip. Yeah, I mean, I think it was one of those things where she was very initially anti, right? She right. said, oh, we can't do that. We can't leave our jobs. We can't travel for many months with our 10-month-old, blah, 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 blah. And, uh, you know, then I thought, okay, if she if it's Paris, she, she'll have to go because right. Paris... And so I floated that idea and she's still like, no, it's a crazy idea, you know? And then <laughs> I think it was just like a, later that night we were at a party and I overheard her talking to our friends about how we were going to go to Paris and I was going to write this book and we were going <laughs> to travel and, and right. And you know, that's, I guess just how it happened, right? We're initially very anti, and then she kind of it it was her idea by the end of the day, right? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um the right practice is not only uh, a website that has great instructional content, but is a community um as well, where did you, you said that you had already started the right practice when, when that came along, what was the initial idea for the right practice and kind of what, what instigated all, what, what got the yeah. ball rolling? Yeah, I think that the initial idea um, came even before I started thinking about teaching writing when I was finishing my first book. So I had studied creative writing in college thinking that this is what's going to make me an author that's going to accomplish all my dreams, right? Uh, I thought like a degree is going to do it for me. And surprisingly, uh, you know, universities are not great at teaching people how to become New York Times bestselling authors and make a living as a creative writer. Uh, it was very upsetting to me to learn that. Um, so I graduated college and kind of floundered. I, I did a little bit of... Uh, journalism and that went okay and um, did some travel writing and blogging and I ended up like stumbling into a co-writing ghostwriting job with a mentor of mine and he had written a book before and was coaching me uh, and had also hired a, a friend of mine from college uh, who had written a New York Times bestselling book who was coaching me. And they just gave me this process, right? To plan out the book. Um, I didn't know how to do that at the time. And I follow, you know, the plan and write every week and hit my deadlines and finish a book and then edit the book. And it was one of the hardest, most stressful, most amazing times in my life. You know, uh, I, I had wanted to do this thing. I had tried and failed so many times. I mean, probably more than a dozen times I tried to write a book and it didn't work. And then the first time I did it with a coach, it worked. Um, and I finished that book. It was published. It was this really amazing learning experience. Uh, and I, afterward, I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to do and, and how I wanted to grow as a writer. I knew I wanted to do more of this, but I wasn't quite sure how. And I also knew that I still had so much more to learn, right? I mean, I, I think anytime <laughs> when you're first getting started, you think you kind of know it all, right? And then right. you 
you slowly realize how little you know over the process. And uh, I had reached that point where I realized, oh my gosh, I have so much more to learn. And I knew one of the best ways to learn was to teach, right? And so I wanted to teach and I, I wanted to stay in that world of creative writing and um, grow in that. And so I stumbled on this idea to start a website called The Right Practice, where we taught creative writing, where we helped people practice creative writing, because I realized that in college I had learned a lot of theory, but I hadn't right. been doing actual practice you know, and I wanted to, you know, bring this idea of deliberate practice into teaching creative writing. And we started in 2011. Um, six months later, we won a, an award for our top 10 blogs for creative writers. Um, we quickly, you know, grew from there. And now it's one of the top writing websites in the world. And we reach millions of people every year. So it's been a really amazing experience. And, and just, you know, I think so many people are struggling yeah. to write books. Um, so many people are struggling to make their creative dreams come true, right? Just as I was. And it's been amazing to get to step alongside people in that place, um, to equip, th equip them with some tools and some, and some theory and some way of thinking about writing and then really celebrate them as they start to experience some success. Yeah. Um, I think Joe, if you took, um, say a, a group of a hundred people and you put them in a room and you polled this group of a hundred people and you asked them who of you thinks that there's a story inside of you, the, you know, the potential for a book or, you know, just a, a story to tell. I think the vast majority, if not all of them would raise their hands. I, I think it's an innate thing in most people, if not all that, that we, we have something in us that we want to share. We, we're, we're a storytelling, um, species, uh, you know, if you will. And if you look back through our history of oral storytelling to then writing down our, our histories and our, um, you know, way of life and our wisdom to pass down, I mean, we're, we're a storytelling people. But then if you, if you then poll that same hundred, you know, group of a hundred people, how many of you in the next year will take the first step to do that? Then, you know, that dwindles down and then, you know, how many of you will actually write the book and then it dwindles down again? And then, you know, how many of you will publish that work? You might have one, you know, person left in that group. Um, do you if and I think those things are are generally true, you know, I'm, you know, we're just speculating here. But um, of that group of people that never do it, do you think they are more divided? I, I see them as kind of dividing into two camps. Um, either they don't understand the mechanics of writing. They don't understand story structure and how to get from point A to point B and all of the ups and downs that are in the middle. You know, that's kind of, I, I classify that as the mechanics of writing. We don't understand story structure, how to tell a story, but the other camp of people are, are people that either do understand the mechanics or can figure it out. They've read novels before they understand kind of the, the, the path of, of what a book is like, but they lack motivation or they lack uh, organization skills or whatever it is. They, they just, they understand it, but they just can't put it into practice. Mm -hmm. um, wh where do you fall there? Do you, do you, do you think that people come to you for one or the other of those problems, a mixture or wh where do you think most people lie? Such a good question. And I, I do think that there are people who struggle with discipline and deadlines and people who struggle with not knowing how to do something. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, for both of those camps, the solution is practice, right? Deliberate practice specifically, which is what, you know, 
our whole thing that we talk about at the right practice is about. It's kind of how we live and teach writing. Um, we really believe that everyone can become great writers, can become successful writers through deliberate practice. All a hundred of those people, you know, um, and it, we have a lot of different ways to help people through that. Right. So, you know, for the, for the people who struggle with learning how to write, um, and the mechanics of that, um, you know, I think the best way to learn is by doing it, right? So there's that great story that maybe people have already heard before of the pottery teacher. You know that story, right? Where there were two, um, you know, the, the pottery teacher had a class and there's like two groups of people. He split the class up into two groups of people. And to one side of the class, he said, okay, you'll get an A if you create the perfect pot. And to the other side of the class, he said, you'll get an A if you create the heaviest amount of pots, like the most <laughs> amount of pots by weight, right? If you have like 50 pots uh, or 50 pounds of pots, you'll get an A. Um, and by the end of the class, the people who got the A were not the people who created the perfect pots, right? They were not the side that had to create one perfect pot. It was the side that had to create a lot of pots. And so there's something about iteration and having to do things again and again in repetition. And this is such a, an important piece of deliberate practice. You know, we have so many people in our community who write a really bad first book and then a kind of bad second book and even third book. I have this one um, friend in our community who <laughs> she had one book that she wrote and she had an editor and the editor told her, Hey, actually this is three books. This isn't just one book. This is three. And so she did it. She wrote, she rewrote that book into three books and they were pretty okay. You know, like they weren't amazing, uh, but they got, they got done. And then she started this fourth book and she originally just thought it was a book of short stories. And we were reading it and just like laughing so much and enjoying the characters. And it was so well written and just realizing, Oh my gosh, like this is really, really good. And if you compare it to her first book, it's like amazing, you know, and that's how it goes. Uh, I mean, I think if you talk to New York times, bestselling authors that, you know, right. They have this same experience where the first couple of books they write, like, yeah, haven't helped them. Like those things are in desk drawers, um, basements. No one's reading those, you know, but their third or fourth book, they're starting to get it. And by the fifth or sixth or seventh book, you know, it's a new kind of thing, right? Well, it's, it's why we have the term desk drawer novel or trunk novel, <laughs> as they used to be called, that everyone has this novel that they finished and it's going in the desk drawer or going in a trunk in their bedroom, right. not to ever be seen by anyone, but right. it's, it's kind of a rite of passage. And so that brings us back to the other half of the people, right. Who struggle with discipline, because how do you stay, how do you keep going? Right. If you know that the book that you're writing right now is going to suck, which is actually something even New York times, bestselling, bestselling authors deal with a lot of times on the first draft, they just have more patience and they realize this is part of the process, but first drafts just suck. Right. Yeah. And they're hard and they are messy and painful. And, you know, I'm talking with a friend who's working on a novel right now and he is going nuts. He is like writing 5,000 words a day and he's, you know, in a, two weeks on uh, 43,000 words. And, uh, and he's like, I'm getting a little bit slower. It's not as easy. And I'm like, yeah, that's how it goes. You know, uh, the first 10,000 or 20,000 words or for him, 40,000 words are easy. And then it gets harder and harder and harder and around like 50% through your book. Like it gets really hard. And that for, you know, we've seen doesn't really clear up until about 80%, you know? And so how do you finish 
from right around when it gets hard, somewhere in between like 20 to 50% of the way through your book to 80% when it gets easy again, right? And fun. How do you stay going? And, and what we found is, you know, there's a lot of tricks um, and writers, you know, assemble this bag of tricks throughout their career. Uh, and most of them have some kind of coach, right? Who can help guide them along the path. And for a lot of writers, they luck into having that kind of coach or mentor, um, or they hire someone or they have an editor or, you know, something, someone who has been through the process and knows and can guide them through it. Um, that's been true for my experience and so many authors in our community. Yeah. The, that concept of the desk drawer novel or the trunk novel is so ubiquitous in the writing community. Um, but there is a, um, a small faction of writers, and, and I've learned this through interviews over the years, that the vast majority – 80% or better have a desk drawer novel, that novel that they wrote, they finished, wasn't good enough. They, they went, they started a new project altogether, but there's a small minority of writers who don't do that. They, they take this book that they wrote that was not good enough and they go through the editing process until it is good enough. Um, where do you think that the the mindset difference uh, between um, this one is not good enough, I'm going to write a completely different book and keep working on my deficiencies as a writer until I work them out or uh, you know find a better premise or whatever whatever the the magic is that makes this one work you know as opposed to to the original one versus the people that say this book is not good enough. I'm going to stay in this story. I'm going to stay in this world until it is good enough. Um, and, and do you have advice for people to, to abandon this one and go to something new or keep working on that? I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with understanding what the mindset difference is mm. between moving on to something completely new or sticking it out until this thing is good enough. And maybe just an appetite for suffering. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I mean, I think I identify with those people who, uh, just need to revise and revise and revise. I would say that I'm kind of like that, especially with the books that I really care about that are mine. You know, it took me five years to finish crowdsourcing Paris. Um, I'm working on a novel right now and I'm like three years in and three drafts. Right. Uh, and there is something about like suffering that is just both horrible and kind of attractive, like that you're going to slave away on this book until it's perfect and that's okay. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I think what I would say to those people is just keep doing drafts, right? And yeah. don't, don't get stuck thinking about your book take action on your book, right? Um, as writers, we are dreamers and that's a really good thing, but dreams are only good if you want to be a writer, if you are writing, right? You have to be taking action on them to make them a reality. And, you know, I tell writers in our community a lot, um, you know, writers write for others. If you are just writing for yourself, that's fine, but that's journaling, right? right? And we can grow as writers. You know, there's, there's a lot of benefit to that. Not everyone in the world has to be a writer, you know, but if you want to be a writer, you need to be sharing your writing with the world, whatever the way that looks, whether that's traditional publishing or self-publishing or just giving it to friends and family. Um, there's something about that, the craft and aspect of writing that needs to be shared. You know, just going back to your original point about like people as humans telling stories around campfires, right? That's something innate into in humanity and into this craft that we're called to, right? Um, and so, you know, I would I would set some deadlines uh, for when you are going to share your writing with the world. 
All right. We are big believers in the right practice about deadlines um, and not just deadlines for when you're going to finish the next draft, but set a deadline for when you're going to share it. Okay. And it doesn't, again, need to be complicated. It doesn't have to be, you're going to upload it to Amazon. It could be just, you're going to give it, print it out and give it to 12 friends and say, what do you think? Right. Um, but set a deadline for sharing and then create some consequences. Okay. So one of the things about humans is that we are really driven by loss aversion. Okay. We like rewards. Rewards are great. It's great to incentivize yourself to finish, like give yourself a reward to finish your book or a a day's writing session or something like that. Um, But there's something about consequences and loss aversion that is just like lights up our brains. Right. And so the way that we do that, um, the way I discovered it was I had a friend who uh, I was in the middle of writing my memoir, Crowdsourcing Paris, and I was really struggling. I was like not taking action, not working on it, Um, thinking a lot about it, but not doing it. Right. And he said, if you really want to finish your book, here's what you need to do. You need to write a check for a thousand dollars to the charity that you hate the most, like the Society for the Euthanasia of Puppies or something. Okay. And you need to give it to a friend and say, hey, if I don't finish my book uh, in 10 weeks or however long, you have to send this check. And I'm like, that's stupid. I'm a professional writer. Like at the time I had written several books. I was earning a full time living off my writing. And I'm like, I've got this. I'm a pro. <laughs> but then a couple weeks went by and I hadn't done anything still. And someone asked me, what are you doing about that book? And I'm like, oh gosh, I have to do the thing. <laughs> So I wrote a check for a thousand dollars and this was in 2016 during the presidential election. And I, I wrote it to the presidential candidate that I most disliked and I gave it to a friend and I said, you have to send this if I don't finish my book. And I will tell you, like I was the most focused I've ever been. I finished that book in nine weeks. It was amazing. Right. Um, and I realized, you know, all the times that I had finished books before that, I had done the same thing. I had had a deadline. I had had consequences. Um, I needed those things to stay focused. And so for me, that was a really useful tool. And I think that can be very useful to anyone. You know, I read the same idea in Atomic Habits uh, 10 years later. It's a really good trick. Um, yeah that you can use. Um, so that's what I would say is like, if you are that person who is revising and revising and revising, or if you're that person who is struggling to get started, right. Set a deadline, whether that's to finish your first draft or to share your draft with the world and then put some consequences behind it. Right. It's good to set small deadlines, like a weekly deadline. Mm -hmm. Um, so you can just break it up into smaller pieces, uh, for, you know, 5,000 words per week, for example, uh, and maybe make some little consequences with that for, so, you know, you're not going to play your favorite phone game (laughs) or you're going to, uh, uninstall the Instagram app off your phone or whatever. Right. Um, just some like guilty pleasure kind of consequences. And then a big consequence for that. If I don't finish my book after 10 weeks or however long, right. Or if I don't publish my book in some way, a big consequence. If someone, and I love everything that you said and consequences are, are something that I've, I've not thought a lot about, um, you know, as, as someone who has raised children, uh, we have five children and, and I know you have kids as well. There, there are a lot of things you can do, um, to, uh, to train a child that if you do this right, you will get a reward that works. Um, 
a lot of times and it, it works with a lot of kids, but there's always that one kid in the bunch that <laughs> <laughs> reward is, is not their greatest motivator. It's the, the threat of trouble is you know, a much greater motivator. And, you know, that's probably another discussion for, for another forum. But, um, <laughs> but I, I do love that you, that that's part of, of, of your process because so many of us um, will do things to avoid that discomfort um, far more than we will to get the chocolate chip cookie at the end of it. It's that's, that's, was there something behind that discovery that, that you realized um, was it your, the 2016 election that, that kind of brought that about or what, how did that epiphany come to you? Yeah. And and one thing I'll say too, is that consequences and deadlines are not enough. Like the work itself has to be, rewarding. You know, I mean, I think at the end of the day as writers, um, we write because we love writing and we love the craft and we love, you know, reading the books and the aspect of creating new things and bringing the things that are in our heads out into the world. Like that's a really pleasurable, amazing, rewarding experience, but also like writing is work. It's hard and annoying and embarrassing. (laughs) Like I've had some of my lowest confidence, lowest like mental health days (laughs) working on books, you know? So what do you do when it's a struggle and you need these kinds of tricks, just like our kids need some tricks to get motivated and get moving. Uh, And, you know, it's amazing when they discover something that they can just do or, or that they've done so many times that it's just easy for them. Right. And so we use these tricks to uh, get us into the work so that the work itself can be useful. Right. So that it can, it can happen. Um, But for me, you know, I'm just like the most, all over the place person, you know, like the least structured person. I really struggle with all of the things like deadlines. I missed in school every deadline possible. (laughs) I, you know, homework was a disaster for me. Um, I was the kid that thumbed my nose at both the consequences my parents gave me and the rewards, right? So, you know, I, I had to really work to make my dreams of becoming a writer happen um, and, and mostly failed for a decade, you know, despite investing a lot of money and my parents' money and my money into a creative writing degree and, you know, journalism and all of the things afterward. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't really until I had a coach who could step alongside me and kind of do the work with me. You know, they weren't doing the work, but having someone there with you right. changes things. It does. Um, like the parent that comes alongside the child and does the work with them and shows them how to do it. And, you know, I think we underestimate the social aspect of writing. Mm. I, I think if you look at the great writers throughout history, they had mentors, they had communities that they were part of. Hemingway, you know, had uh, Gertrude Stein and other, other mentors, uh, the lost generation in Paris, uh, Virginia Woolf had uh, the Bloomsbury group and, and writers throughout history have had these communities who showed them the ropes, you know, yeah. Well, for whatever reason, we have romanticized the idea of the introvert writer, the yeah. the you know the person that sits in a cabin alone at the top of the hill and you know pounds out this manuscript and then throws it down the hill and it magically gets published or whatever without them having to have any interpersonal. Um, you know, involvement or communication with anyone. And it's just not true. It's the, 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 a writer with a lack of community. Um, I, I suppose is probably not a very good writer. (laughs) No, I totally agree with that. I mean, without the friends who asked me what happened to your book, you know, 
or the coach who said, Hey, how are you doing on those on that chapter deadline? Yeah. Um, I absolutely wouldn't have finished any of the books that I finished. Right. But now it's more than a dozen. Um, and from like the least structured person, right. Uh, you know, there's something about people that we just, we learn from people. This is like how we are as humans. Like, and this is why we share stories. We, we are connected to other people. Um, and so, you know, that's why forums like this are so great because we can learn from each other. We can learn from the authors that you're interviewing. Um, and also it's great to have someone you can have a conversation with. And that's where like a coach or a mentor comes in. I think it's so important. Yeah. So if someone is hearing our conversation and is wondering what what is this thing, the right practice, um, if they come to the right practice, what can they expect and and what what are you offering to what is it that you do that people can get involved with? And, can you know, what's the path from there? Yeah, it's such a good question. So, um, the rightpractice.com, you know, we've published more than 2000 guides and articles on the writing process and different aspects of the writing process from like grammar and punctuation to how to write a novel or a memoir or a book, um, and beyond that. Right. Uh, so, you know, we have a lot of resources just available to anyone and you can go subscribe and sign up and get those resources on a weekly or even daily basis basis. Um, we also have a program called 100 Day Book, uh, which is a really cool way to have us do the deadline setting for you and <laughs> some of the coaching for you. And uh, you can sign up and you get a deadline and you get weekly deadlines and really a structure to finish your book. I finished three drafts in 100 Day Book personally. You know, I take it because I need that structure. I really suck at this and I need structure. And so we have, you know, coaches who are part of that. And we just launched a new thing um, where we're training a group of book coaches, right, in our process around deliberate practice. So if anyone's interested in being a coach, we have that uh, that we're doing now. And then also connecting them with writers who need someone that they can just talk one-on-one with who can read some of their writing, uh, give them some feedback, but also just show them the way, right? We need those people who can kind of look over our shoulder and say, here's what you're struggling with. This is what's important for you to focus on right now. This is the path you can take. uh, And here's how you accomplish your goals. So it, it seems to me that the right practice uh, has uh, a level of involvement that is a uh, sort of a choose your own adventure, if you will, for the for people that visit there. They can read the blogs. They can pick up lots of great advice and the, the how to articles and the guides that have been published. But then if they want to take another step, there's a community that they can get involved with. And then there's another step where you can actually um, uh, have a coach that, that helps you go through um, the process. Um, the first, the community, what, what is the, the community aspect of, of the right practice involved? Yeah. I mean, I think like you said, um, writers can't be successful without community. Right. And that's definitely been my experience. We need other writers around us who can encourage and support us and, and just spur us on. Right. It's like that saying, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. If you don't have other writers in your life, uh, who can inspire you and make you better. That's going to make you, it's going to lower your average. Right. Yeah. So we need that aspect of community. And so we have, uh, we have a community, uh, workshop at the right practice where you can join and just connect with other writers, uh, who are doing the work, who are practicing, who are writing books and publishing them, uh, and learning the process and everywhere in between that too. Uh, and you can get feedback on your writing as well. 
So uh, I think an important part of deliberate practice is getting feedback. You need to see where your writing is working and where it's not working at all. <laughs> yeah. And, and also you need to be giving feedback so that you can kind of hone your own eye editorially and see, okay, I like that what this person is doing here, but I really don't like what they're doing here. And I don't want to do that in my own writing, you know? Um, and that's part of the learning process. So we have a workshop where you can share chapters of your work in progress um, and get feedback and give feedback. It's a really cool thing. Um, we have a lot of great conversations where we're sharing resources. Uh, and then, you know, of course, our, our courses and 100 Day Book community is also there as well. Gotcha. And then what does what does the coaching involve? If someone wants to take the next step and 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 have, um, you know, someone who can uh, turn a critical eye toward their um, and, and I mean, critical in in the uh, not as to criticize, but right, to, of course. Yeah. To to, you know, help um, where you're point out your problem areas or to uh, to coach along. Um, yeah. What is that um, element of the right practice about? Yeah. So we have a group of coaches that uh, coach all different genres. So it starts where we connect you with a coach in our team. And then it really begins at the beginning with a plan, you know, uh, which is what my first coach taught me how to do uh, was create a plan. And then your coach looks at your plan with you and says, okay, here are the problems that you're going to run into. Uh, because it can be very obvious to a coach. Like, this is going to be really hard. This is going to be amazing. And I see what you're trying to do here. And let's just like bring that out um, and do more of that. And also, you know, plan for solutions for those future problems. So really thinking through not just, you know, an outline or a synopsis, but like the whole writing process. One of the things that we found uh, is that people in our community who have a plan are much more likely to finish their book. Okay. Uh, we did a study once where 52%, uh, they were 52% more likely to finish if they had a plan. Uh, which is cool. Wow. Right. So just by creating a plan, like you've already, um, done work, uh, to, yeah. to make sure you're, you're half as more likely to finish. Exactly. Statistically. Yeah. So then, you know, your coach looks at the plan, helps you through it and sets deadlines with you. Um, and they'll check in with you every week to see how you're doing on those deadlines. Uh, they'll hold you accountable and then they'll have calls with you. They'll read some of your writing and have calls with you usually once a month, sometimes more if you feel like you need that, where you're both kind of working through the aspects of writing that are hard, like where we get stuck, where we hit writer's block and perfectionism and problem solving through those. And also giving you feedback, not from a mindset of revising right now, because when you're working on your first draft, if you spend too much time revising, you just get like sucked back and you never finish. You just keep polishing those first couple of chapters. It's terrible. So you have to be going forward and, and they'll kind of both teach you the process based on what they're, what they're seeing in your writing and give you feedback on how to do more of what you're doing well. You mentioned uh, earlier that that you are uh, actively looking for people that want to get involved in the coaching process um, over the 12 years uh, or so that the right practice has been a thing. Have you developed a um, a, a right practice system of, of things that that have over time uh, been proven to work and things that can be replicated. I, I guess, is there a, um, have you had things that, that no matter who you are, what kind of book you're writing, what your problems are, these are things that, that mm. we've identified as mm. these will be problem areas. Here's how you go about fixing them. Yeah. Like, you know, is, is there a, a scientific process to, to what you've, uh, determined? I mean, we have, I, I don't want to be like too bombastic about it. Um, but you know, 
I have coached communities of writing. Like one of the reasons I started hundred day book is because I was coaching this group of writers on a gap year. Um, they were in their early twenties and, uh, were interested in becoming writers. Didn't really know what that looked like. And, uh, I was like their story coach. Right. And, I, I knew the best way to learn was through doing, right? Uh, and so we made it a goal that they would finish. It was about 10 weeks long program. Uh, they would finish a draft of a book in that 10 weeks. Uh, and if you've ever met 20-somethings, they can be very flaky. <laughs> they can struggle to get things done. I was a 20-something not long before that. So I knew, right? Yeah. And uh, so we created some consequences. And, uh, <laughs> you know, basically, like, if they missed three weekly deadlines or they didn't finish their book, they were kicked out of the program. They had to leave. And so it was a big deal. Uh, it was a little scary for them. Right. Um, and every week, you know, I would wait for the person I would have to have like a hard conversation with and say, okay, that's it. See ya. Right. And it never happened. It was amazing. A hundred percent of those students wow. finished their books. And we taught it like three or four times uh, and a hundred percent finished. Right. So it is possible for everyone to do that, you know, of the hundred people in a room that you talked about for a hundred of them to do it. Right. But it takes some things. Right. So there's five different pieces of de deliberate practice that we teach. The first part is theory. Okay. So it's just learning things about structure and writing and grammar and all of those things you learn in college. Um, and we have our own system that we teach for story structure at the right practice called the right structure, which we probably don't have time to get into at all. Uh, but just learning the theory, but theory isn't enough. Like I learned after college and wasn't a New York Times of a selling author. You also have to put that theory to practice. You have to do the work. Um, and that's where consequences and deadlines are helpful, uh, where, you know, just these different things that tricks that we use to help people stay focused. You also need to have a coach. Um, coaching is a really important aspect of deliberate practice across all disciplines, not just writing, uh, but athletics, art, everything, right? You have to have a coach, someone who can show you the way. Um, you have to have feedback, which we talked about. And you have to have a team. You have to have community who can support and encourage you. And so that's what we assemble for our coaches, our mentor, mentees, um, and for the writers in our community. Um, we try to connect them as they're able and as they need with those five things, right? Theory, practice, coach, uh, feedback, and a team. And if you do have those five things, I mean, you don't have to get it from us, but if you do have those five things, I think you'll be successful, right? It might not happen as quickly as you want, but if you keep focusing on those five things, you'll do it. I think for a lot of new writers, there's this romantic uh, idea of um, this book I have inside me and it's it's yeah. going to come out and and it, it doesn't really matter what critics say or think because they don't understand my story. Um, and the longer you you practice at writing, the the more and more that romanticism dispels there. There is a yep. structure that that uh, that works um, there when you're dealing with genre fiction there absolutely is is a series of ups and downs and um um what's the word i'm, I'm looking for uh story beats um yeah. that that happened at a certain point and it seems formulaic but it's what you do inside that formula that that becomes magic um you you talked about the um the the process that you had uh, the right process to um, the right structure the, the right structure thank you um could, could you touch on that for just a second sure. like what is that and what have you figured out um that is replicatable replicable mm. what, whatever the yeah. word is um <laughs> you know over and over yeah i mean i think 
it, it really goes back to the campfire analogy that we were talking about as humans have been telling stories yeah. for thousands of years, right? Um, we did not invent story structure. We did not invent storytelling. Uh, we've been yeah. doing this for a really long time. And as we've done that, there are these patterns that have emerged over thousands of years. And we can pin, we can spot those patterns and we can use those patterns. Um, Cormac McCarthy, who is both uh, somewhat genre, like he, he dips into genre, but also like one of the least formulaic writers. Um, the least. <laughs> the man doesn't even like punctuation. Right. He, he, and yeah, you know, his stories have patterns. And he said, um, books, the unfortunate truth is that books are made from books, right? Stories are made from stories. We, we stand on the shoulders of giants, right? This is how we learn to tell stories from the stories that have gone before us. And we can learn those patterns through reading thousands of books. And that's how people have traditionally done it, right? Just reading book after book after book. Or, um, or maybe and, right? you can study the patterns, right? So, you know, Aristotle started p pointing out some patterns and then there was this Roman guy that I always forget the name of and Gustav Freitag, the German novelist in the 1800s, Robert McKee. Like there have been plenty of people who have talked about story structure and these patterns that are found in stories. And for us, we wanted to create a system that was just so Sing, so stupid simple, right? <laughs> because we don't need to think about a lot of jargon. There's a lot of jargon around story theory, right? Um, you've heard of it, heard it like all, I'm sure, Hank. Yeah. Um, and we just want to get past the jargon to like the simplest amount that you need to know to write your book, to get to work, to practice. Right. And we can go deeper and deeper into this stuff. Um, but at the end of the day, you just have to write your book and you, we learn through doing. Right. And so what are the simplest tools that you can use to write your book? Um, and yeah, I mean, I, again, I could talk for an hour. I could talk for 12 <laughs> hours and I have about all this stuff because it's super fun. Um, but uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, just like recognizing that there are patterns and that there are people that have identified some of those patterns that you can use and then go get to work right quickly is important. And that's what we do in the right structure. So a person that thinks they have a story in them, but is not quite sure where to begin or yeah. a person that is deep in the novel and maybe thinks that, you know, I, I, I just, I need another set of eyes, someone who mm -hmm. can, you know, I'm too close to the work and some, a, a, um, you know, a, a nonpartisan uh, participant who can come yeah. in and, and help me N no matter if you're on this end of the process or this end of the process, the right practice um, has something to offer all of them. If, if someone comes to the right practice, where do they go from there? Yeah, I think the best spot to go, there's a little orange button in the top right of our website that says join our community and the URL is just the rightpractice.com slash join. And you'll see how we do things, um, all of the different ways to join in whatever you need and, and want to get involved at. And uh, we'll, we'll get you connected uh, with some really good resources and hopefully we'll help you get to work. Excellent. We'll put uh, a link in the show notes to uh, so folks can just click over and land there. Okay. Joe, this has been so much fun talking. I feel like we could talk for another 12 hours, but uh, next time, um, next time we'll definitely. Do this again. <laughs> Thank you so much uh, for joining me today. The right practice.com. Is that the, the mm -hmm. best URL for people to go yep. to? Yeah. And Hank, thanks so much for this work that you do. I know that you're a working writer and it's not easy to both write and share with the world how to do this. Um, so thanks for doing the hard work of, of both writing and also helping other writers. Uh, it's important and you do a great job. 
Well, thank you for that, Joe, and you as well. We're going to send everyone over to the right practice to uh, to come visit you. And uh, again, let, let's do it again. That's our episode for today. There's so much more to come as we talk to authors about the craft of writing, but also the business of publishing. Be sure to subscribe to the StoryCraft Cafe podcast in your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. The StoryCraft Cafe is made possible by Dabble. Writing a book is challenging. Your writing tool should not be. Dabble is an easy-to-use online writing tool packed with helpful features that allow beginning novelists and published authors to create amazing stories. Visit us at dabblewriter.com and start your free trial today. Thanks for listening.